Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week, we're halfway through April already. Greg Haynes here, and welcome to Full Throttle from Eurosport. It's all about Yamaha this week. We'll be catching up later on with the Pata Yamaha team principal, Paul Denning, with an update on the 2020 season, if we're going to get one at all, that is, hopefully. And a great initiative Crescent's been running to help NHS workers. But first of all, it's one of his riders, Michael Vandermark, who's on the line from his new home just outside Rotterdam. So, Michael, thanks for joining us from a partially locked down Netherlands, I believe. What's the situation over there? Yeah, we, we're quite lucky. We can still go everywhere we want, but um, everybody's taking their responsibility. They, they ask everyone to stay home. So, at the moment, I'm just chilling in my garden in the sun. Yeah, because you've got a new house, haven't you? You've moved recently. Yeah, I've moved in, in November. Um, the house isn't ready yet, but well, because of the whole coronavirus situation my garden is already now <laughs> well that's good news and actually i've got to talk about the most important thing first because i've been chatting with ian wheeler the pata yamaha press officer um pablo carlos and alejandro michael now these are your female hens aren't they so why the spanish male names i'm intrigued to know as uh, some names we 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 use while when we're traveling like starbucks or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so you go into starbucks to tell them your name's alejandro so they put it on the cup and call your name out yeah yeah we're just different names <laughs> but why but they're female hens michael i mean surely this doesn't work with male spanish names i mean alejandro the hen did you, does it really work do you think no i just call them chicken chicken and chicken <laughs> then um, i don't yeah. even give i don't even know which one is it's what is what? <laughs> which one is which? Yeah. And what are who are Pappy and Chulo? Because you were telling me about them the other day off air. What's that all about? Yeah, my girlfriend wanted some rabbits. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, now we got two rabbits as well. They're they're still young, so I think they they will be ready for Christmas. Ah, oh, that's terrible. Okay, well you've got time to enjoy them in the lockdown then. Chulo Chulo the rabbit. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Nadia would be very happy if you're eating Pappy for Christmas lunch, would you? No, 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 not, not really sure. <laughs> So what's it be like for you? Obviously, lockdown isn't an ideal situation, but are you missing your apartment in Rotterdam or are you pleased to be out in the countryside? A bit of both? Well, I'm definitely not missing my apartment because if I wouldn't have a garden like I have now, I would have gone crazy already. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with my new place and especially my garden now. And you're growing some... Um 
some plants as well, aren't you? Are you not growing some herbs? We yeah, we we do everything. We have some uh, spicy peppers. We're getting uh, strawberries, um, lemongrass, onions, garlic, everything. I'm surprised actually because I thought people in the Netherlands grew different kinds of things in their garden. If urban legends and myths are anything to go by. Yeah, not in their garden. Not in yours. So you're just <laughs> sticking to the strawberries. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's talk about bike racing then. Um, Australia seems like a long time ago now, doesn't it? But I felt quite sorry for you, actually, because I thought if anyone was going to be on the podium in Australia, it was going to be you. You were quite unlucky, weren't you? You lost out in that final lap battle every time. Yeah, don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the pace was good, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it was a uh, sure best races in Australia since... I started with the Yamaha and um, the whole team, and you know, um, for me the best thing was that when we start testing on Monday, we were really quick straight away, and um, that was really positive for for us. And you know, the races were amazing uh, for us, but also for spectators. Uh, just yeah, I was just unlucky three times, but yeah, we we were really close to the podium and, and even really close to the win. So that. That was the most important thing about Phillip Island. It was brutal, though, wasn't it? I don't know what it felt like being in the race, but just watching it, commentating on it, <laughs> every single lap there was something going on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was incredible. You know, it was, normally, the first races of the year, they feel quite long and everything, but there was so much action going on that these races, they were over before you knew it. Yeah, so was it just? was it really just unlucky the last lap because i guess you can you can plan so much can't you but you don't quite know what everybody else is going to do yeah well it's, it's always easy to talk uh after the race yeah what you should have done different but um yeah for sure we've tried everything and we've showed everyone we're there so hopefully when we get to race soon again uh, we'll be as quick again Right away. Yeah, and who knows when the next round might be. I mean, Mizano possibly, Donington, I reckon, is the earliest in July that we might get racing. But either way, they're good tracks for you, aren't they? And obviously Donington in particular, where you had your victories. So it does feel, Michael, and I think everyone seems to agree this year, that although Australia often gives us a strange few races, it does feel closer and more competitive this season anyway. Yeah, exactly. And um, to be honest, for us, the one of the good things about Australia was that on Monday with the test we were really quick straight away, but also we didn't change a lot on the bike. And that has been a lot different before. We were always searching for a good setup and now it felt like we, we had it uh, from the first moment. So that's really positive. But, you know, for me, it doesn't matter what which track we're going to race first. I just want to happen as soon as possible yeah you're getting a bit frustrated sat at home are you ready to just get going again because there's only it's nice to be at home but there's only so much you can do isn't there before you start going mad yeah exactly and it's just you know the, the, the biggest oh biggest problem or not, not problem um if you give us a set date that's okay that day you're gonna ride again yeah it's a lot easier yeah. mentally but anyway we, we can only race when it when it's safe again yeah that's very true Going back then, let's go right back. Maybe the people who don't know the Michael Vandermark story. Obviously, you're from the Netherlands, but there's some Indonesian heritage as well there. What's the story of your family, Michael? How did you? How did it all come into being? And also, what was your first contact with a motorcycle? How did it all start? Through your dad, I guess. Yeah, you know, my, my dad used to be uh, a racer, but it was before I was born. So I've never seen him 
I never started riding when I was young. And I mean, uh, he was a Le Mans winner, wasn't he, for motorcycles? He actually won the Le Mans Twenty Four Hour. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, uh, a long time ago. But I've never, I never saw him racing or anything. And um, you know, he just, uh, he never put me on any bike. He just, he just waited for me to, to ask to, to get, go and ride on the bike and. Um, I think in 2003, I was we were visiting the Dutch TT in Assen, and I could sit on a show bike with Valentino Rossi. And after that, I said to Madeira, I, I want to race. So I was 12 when I started. So it, to be honest, quite late. But I think the best approach my dad could ever done to me is like not pushing me. Just wait for for me to ask. Uh, uh, if I can ride a bike. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, because you see quite a lot of young riders coming up through the order. But you can see sometimes when the parents are actually becoming a problem more than more than pushing their kids. So I guess it sounds like you've never, ever had that problem. No, I, I've never had that problem. And also my dad had seen it before with other, with other people, when, even when he was racing. So he, uh, he never wanted to do something like that. And did you watch World Superbikes, World Supersport? MotoGP, were you watching all of these things? Did you ever think, I, I want to get into that or or that? Was there anything in particular you desperately wanted to do? No, I, I watched everything. I just wanted to race a bike. <laughs> so it didn't matter where. So you ended up going through the the Dutch series and the World Superbike paddock. Um, World Supersport, it didn't happen immediately, did it? But once you started winning, it seems like with so many people, you'd you'd broken you'd broken the ice then and it just seemed to happen very quickly actually yeah you know the, the start in uh, 2013 first race in australia was was really good um i finished third in my first world super sport race and after that it was quite difficult and and towards the end of the year we started to get back on the podium and yeah the next year we you know we had everything right and then like you say we broke the ice and just kept uh, winning and, and finishing on the podium. And these successes were obviously all with Honda, weren't they? So how difficult was it for you in, what, 2016 to make that decision to move away from Honda and move to Yamaha? Because without going into detail, the general feeling at the time is that Honda pay very well. But obviously, it's not all about the money. It's about progressing your career. But that must have been really, that must have been quite tricky for you to make that decision. Um, well, it's always it's always difficult to make decisions like that. But for me, one of the, the the main things was that I wanted to to change something or you know work with different people and everything, so different atmosphere. And um, was it difficult to leave a team where you had so much success? But I felt it was time to you know to do something else and uh, work with other people and other team structure and whatever. So that I was more hungry to to change everything around me than um, that I say, okay, I really want to leave this bike. Does it sort of make you as the rider feel, not that you're the boss, but a bit like you're controlling your own destiny a bit more? You're you're actively making a change to try and have a different result? Yeah, well, I think everyone is doing that and they should be doing doing it yeah because i guess it it must be easy it could have been easy though just to stay comfortable and stay in your comfort zone and and stay with honda and think oh well i'm happy i know the guys you know that was an option wasn't it yeah but it, it could have been an option but it's not the way i why i am you know sometimes i want to move forward and the, 
yeah. you need to change things so that's why we decided it then yeah and it feels like in terms of changing things that's happened a lot this year as well in terms of the actual bike how is it michael that yamaha seems to have made such a massive step between 2019 and 2020 because the bike that's been rolled out this year from the outside it feels like it's an amazing bike with a lot of improved things on it yeah it's, it's you know the bike itself it didn't, didn't change massively which is also really good for us because uh we had so much information from the last bike and we finally got it really good and uh, all the, the new parts on, on, on the 2020 bike uh, are helping us to, to improve our, our complete package so we had a good package and with the new bike it just made another another step yeah because they're saying some people are saying there might even be 10 11 horsepower more which seems like a huge amount but i mean how do you find that where, where does that come from in one winter uh-huh, I, I cannot tell you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know go on it's the lockdown there's nothing else to talk about <laughs> yeah you know i think it's just the way the the, the change a bit on the engine and that uh uh you know we cannot tune a lot but the things that change on the engine uh was easier for us to tune the engine so it's almost as though with the greater knowledge of the bike that the engineers and the team and you guys the riders have you just know better now where to look for what you're looking for if that makes sense yeah yeah i think so but I think um, it's not just about the engine. It's just obviously aerodynamics are a big improvement. Uh, this makes a big difference for, for us as well. And have you had a lot of say into this, Michael? You and Alex, as it was last year, top right this year. Are you heavily influencing the direction this bike's going in now? Well, um, you know, with Alex, we we always had similar comments, so it was quite easy for for the team to to develop it. And uh, now with top rack, he's, he's just riding the bike fast and. Um, we also, you know, we didn't work a lot together yet, but I think we have similar comments as well. So that's only positive for for um, for everyone at, the, at this project. Yeah, and I was going to say, what do you make of Top Rack? Because it's been a pretty quick adaptation, hasn't it, to that bike? I think if you see the skills that the kid has on when everything he's riding, you... Uh, well, a lot of people said, didn't they, Top Rack's not going to suit the Yamaha and, you know, relies a lot on the front end and all this sort of thing, but it's not taken him long at all, has it, to adapt to it? No surprise for me that he's he's that quick, but that he won the first race could have been later in the year for me. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was a bit annoying for you, wasn't it, that he won the first race? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's good for the team. Keep pushing each other. Could you see, Michael, did you know? Because the four of you crossed the line so close together, didn't you? Did you know immediately, oh, no, he's won it in a sort of funny kind of way? Yeah, I looked at the, the was it, video wall. I saw it was close, but just straight after the finish, there was a video wall. I saw his name up front. Yeah, and although it's frustrating, that's got to be the most positive thing for you, hasn't it, surely? I mean, it's not like you were a long way back in two of the races. You had a very good chance. You were right there in all of them, weren't you, all three? Yeah, exactly. You know, if if one thing would have changed, I don't know, three coins before or whatever, uh, the whole the result could have been completely different. So uh, I wasn't... I was. I wasn't far away. And is JR, Jonathan Ray, still the favourite then? I know people are saying, you know, the Yamahas are in there, Alex Lowe's is in there. Jonathan Ray still got to be the favourite though, hasn't he? Sure, he's the favourite, but um, I hope we can have more races like Australia, you know, uh, with some different people winning, a lot of battles, but for sure he's still the favourite. But it, it's good to have so many different guys now in the front. And just to change the topic a bit, moving forward now, Obviously, we're hearing all sorts of things. Have you heard anything? Are we going to have a condensed calendar? Are we going to have more races on a weekend to try and fit in what we're going to lose? 
what's the latest? Have you heard anything? Yeah, it's all a bit random. For sure, I, I know more things, but you know, it, we no one is is sure about anything yet. So you just have to wait and see and and stay calm. All right. Well, just before we go, Mikey, um, what about some Michael Vandermark hobbies? Have you had much time to uh, come up with anything new? I mean, there's a lot of time to think about things. New hobbies. Um, yeah, barbecuing. Barbecuing. Yeah. Yeah, the weather is nice, so got a bottle of barbecue, and uh, you know this barbecue can also make pizzas, and so that's all makes keeps me busy. And uh, next to that, you know, like I said, we have like Italian lockdown, so we can uh, I can still go out for uh, to go running, uh, mountain biking. So that's uh, that's something where all those people are quite happy with that we can still go. I was on the street and do something. So what is the situation over there? I mean, is it all public spaces? Can you still go into or is it limited? What's the business? Yeah, it's mainly uh, bars, restaurants, schools. Uh, for example, um, barbershops are, are closed and uh, everything else uh, people can decide. But uh, it's, it's good to see that the Dutch people are quite intelligent and, and, and uh, stay home because... I went to the city centre yesterday and there's really nearly no one there. So people are really staying home. Never been to Rotterdam, actually. I've been to Amsterdam. It's obviously very touristy, isn't it? It's better than Amsterdam. What's Rotterdam like? Is it? Would you recommend it from a touristic point of view? Yeah, it's more interesting. It's more, more modern and uh, less tourists. So don't tell anyone. Because otherwise we get, we get all these tourists. So. <laughs> okay, well, many thanks, Mike. And I guess for now, then, there's not much any of us can do. We just... Waiting, aren't we? Waiting, waiting, waiting for any news, any updates? Yeah, exactly. We just wait, stay inside and, uh, yeah, wait and see. Stay fit. Yeah, Michael, thanks very much. Good to talk with you. Regards to Nadia and look after yourselves. Hopefully see you very soon. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, many thanks there to Michael Vandermark. Good to hear that he and Nadia are getting on well with their new house, isn't it? And Paul Denning, the Pata Yamaha team principal, joins us now as well from the UK. How are you getting on, Paul? Strange times for all of us. Strange, but yes, I mean, at least the weather's come out in the UK and we're fortunate enough to have a garden. And uh, so, yeah, currently sitting out in the sunshine and uh, getting a few jobs done that have built up on the list for the last five, six years, it feels like, actually. So, uh, uh, yeah, so we're all getting we're all getting stuff done, but I think we're sort of... Um, running out of the enthusiasm for, for those kind of DIY bits and uh, looking forward to um, uh, getting involved with uh, something a bit more exciting. Again. Yeah, I agree with you. Although it is, yeah, one positive aspect is that we are getting some of those chores done that we should have done a long time ago, isn't it? But uh, obviously Crescent as an organisation, he's been very busy assisting the NHS. Is a great initiative going on there. Um, yeah, we. it's a tough one really because um, I think one positive thing with this uh, whole situation has been uh, clearly, generic sort of sharing of goodwill and um, you know supportive behaviour between uh, individuals and organisations. And um, this was about a week or two weeks before the lockdown in the UK, before the retail business was closed. Um, we announced that we thought it'd be a nice thing to repair and service um, NHS workers' bikes uh, for free. So if someone needs a repair, they just pay for the bits, and um, we do all the work free of charge. And it got a massive reaction, actually, and um, it's still getting a reaction now. So even though the shops are closed, we're finding a way to, um, you know, get uh, when people uh, get in touch by uh, email or online via the website, etc. Um, you know, and it's been actually nice to do 
in some situations it's just been the servicing of a almost new Yamaha or Honda or whatever um, that uh, perhaps a doctor or whatever would have normally paid for. But you know, that's, that's you know, I don't mind whether it's a guy on a, a surgeon on a big salary or a you know ward sort of porter on a small small amount of money. I think it's just nice to help full stop because those guys are putting their balls on the line every single day and um uh you know on the lower sort of paid side um they need their motorcycles or scooters or whatever to uh, get to and fro so we've been doing a fair bit of that and we continue to do so it's a a bit of a challenge with the social distancing rules and uh um with the stores closed but we're finding a way to um you know uh, still help out a little bit and it's not as big a deal as uh many companies are doing but on a local basis it's, it's something and um that we've something we've been pleased to do as well and uh kind of a motorcycling community kind of thing and a bit of feel good about it as well so it's been nice to do actually i can imagine it's making all the difference a good on you and crescent for that one paul quick uh, note on australia we just spoke with michael there about it it seems as i said before quite a long time ago now doesn't it but what a great start to the season well it is that's true (laughs) what a great start to the season though for yamaha michael was very unlucky to miss the podium obviously a win for top rack uh, and a brilliant start for World Superbikes generally, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the biggest positive is that, uh, you know, Phillip Island, perhaps a little bit like Thruxton in the UK, often throws up um, close racing. Yeah. But certainly last year with our virus performance on the Ducati, it was anything but close racing. And, um, you know, this year going into the last laps, uh, any one of sort of uh, six or seven riders could have won. And as it got down to literally the last lap or two, um, any one of four or five riders could have won. And, uh, uh, to be part of a winning fight with both the guys uh, in all three of the races was uh, a big step forward because for some reason we've always struggled at Phillip Island in terms of result. Um, not at a podium since we've uh, come back to the World Championship with the Yamaha in 2016. Um, so to yeah win the first race of the year um, was great. The bike's working really, really well. Um, the riders are obviously both super talented, very, very aggressive. Um, but I think Michael's kind of taken on the kind of role of team leader, if you like, i.e. the person with the most experience of the bike and what needs to be done to take the next steps really, really well. And um, he, he he took being beat by Top Rack really on the chin. At the end of the day, Top Rack won the first race and Mikey was 15 hundredths of a second behind, but that was only good enough for fourth. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a close run thing. And uh, going to the last corner, Mikey thought he was going to win it and, Alex just got underneath him with a lovely move and pushed him wide, and that was the difference between first and fourth, really. So, um, yeah, Mikey was, uh, you can't say unlucky, it was just super close racing and um, one of those things. But we left there a little bit disappointed, I have to say, because uh, we let Top Rack down in the second uh, main race. Um, there wasn't a technical problem with the bike, it was a uh, uh, preparation fault, unfortunately. And, um, you know, that's something that's. Uh, you know, you can win as many races as you like, but, um, you know, when that kind of thing happens, you really feel the responsibility on your shoulders as a team and uh, just goes to show that sort of, uh, you know, mistakes can happen at the very highest levels and um, that everyone needs to be fully focused uh, at all times, even on the most simple tasks to make sure that uh, uh, the guys can do their job. But, um, yeah, despite that, still a positive weekend for us. But as you said, most importantly, a great start for the championship and a lot of enthusiasm for the championship going forward. Um, let's just hope that the latter part of this year we get the opportunity to uh, do it all again. Um, 
but but as we were discussing earlier before this call, it's uh, anyone's guess as to if or when that can be at the moment. Well, that's it, isn't it? No one knows. It's impossible to make predictions, really. But just for the record, Paul, obviously, I guess you've had some communication with other teams, with Dorna, with the organisation. What is the general line at the moment? What's the general feeling if, you know, if this coronavirus goes away in the next few weeks? Then again, it's going to be a, a gradual a gradual uh, transition back into normal life, isn't it? But uh, do you think we could still get some racing this year in a nutshell? Well, I, I don't know if we can or not, but I would say that if um, what I can say is that Dorna are taking from the discussions uh, myself and uh, Andrea Dossley from Yamaha have had with Dorna, um, a very proactive and positive approach, and so are the circuits. Um, in other words, I think there's massive flexibility being shown uh, all round. Uh, and there's definite keenness to do as many races as is humanly possible, um, even if some of those are behind closed doors. Um, I think that's a possibility that Dawn and the circuits will look at together. Um, that's not what anyone would want, but uh, I think the phrase better than nothing would sum that up um, uh, quite, quite well. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, in terms of uh, the potential rollouts if racing can start, for example, mid-August, clearly a different rollout than if racing can't start till mid-September. But um, I think uh, Dorna do have a very proactive plan for scenario A, B and C. Um, we just don't, you know, hopefully we don't get to the final scenario, which is that um, the championship can't go ahead at all this year. Um, but I think everyone looking at the current situation globally would be a fool not to consider that as a uh, potential so um, um, but there's nothing that uh, anyone in the sport can do can it, to influence that either way so we're just trying to stay positive um, in you know uh, regular contact with Mikey and with Top Rack um, you know everyone's just got to stay motivated we've got a very um, you know motivated team uh, both in Italy and uh, here in the UK and um, everyone's fired up to go and do it if we can and um, hope that comes sooner rather than later yeah, I agree with you. And I guess just to wrap this up, that's the main thing here, isn't it? Dorna are being particularly good, aren't they, in the way they're being so flexible about this situation? Because this is truly unprecedented, isn't it? We've never seen anything like this ever before. No, I mean, and um, I suppose it is. You know, I don't like the phraseology of it sort of, you know, being a war on the disease because it's, uh, um, you know, it's difficult to just really wrap it up like that. And it's not the type of, it's not the type of enemy that unfortunately that kind of, fortitude or attitude or what have you is going to be it's um you know uh, science and uh, uh and very very careful carefully made decisions and carefully employed uh, kind of controls as is currently happening throughout europe but um you know where it is like war it's as if the war has started and we don't know when it's going to end um you know we're not all going to be we're not all going to be traveling through war-torn italy or you know spain or france or wherever um to entertain um people with motorcycle racing um until uh there's enough safety and security around for everyone to be you know within reasonable grounds uh consider it um uh, safe enough to do so um yeah but as we said at the start of the conversation who knows um and uh we just got to keep our fingers crossed that all the actions that governments throughout the world are taking uh is going to be enough to keep the thing under control um and to allow if not normal life, then at least semi-normal life to resume at some point in the near future. Are you watching lots of catch-up episodes of Ant and Deck and Coronation Street and all the rest of it, Paul, in the meantime? No, I've been flat out. I've been busier than all, because obviously work, 
but if, in terms of um, you know communication planning, uh, there's a lot of sort of government um, support for businesses in the UK that needs a lot of keeping on top of. Um, that involves, of course, the race team and um, uh, our retail businesses. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just been busy, and then uh, get that work get that work done, and the sun's out. It's been raining for about five six months flat out in the UK and literally since this lockdown started the weather has been glorious yeah, so it's um, which is, uh, yeah exactly um, but we are very very lucky in the UK compared to where uh, you are in Spain and compared to Italy and that I live in uh, the New Forest in the south of England and um, we're permitted to get out for exercise once a day so I can jump on my road bike and go for a lovely ride you know through the forest and pick a load of different routes and do something different every day so honestly it's a sort of it's a time to count your blessings, really, and uh, keep yourself healthy, keep yourself fit. And, uh, um, you know, there are people an awful lot worse off than uh, some motorbike racers and motorbike teams who are frustrated because they can't go racing. So, really, everything needs to be uh, kept in context at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It really puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Well, thanks very much, Paul. I'm glad you're keeping well. Enjoy your cycling, and hopefully I'll see you in person in the not-too-distant future. Absolutely, Greg. Keep at it, mate. Keep positive. Many thanks there to Paul Denning and also to Michael Vandermark as well. That was Full Throttle for Monday, the 13th of April 2020. And we'll be back again next week with another podcast. Look after yourselves and we'll speak to you then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.